All right, you ready to do this? Yeah. Okay, I got an intro. Okay, sweet. Spoiler alert! Here is this week's show show with Sweets and Slaney. Get lost in the conversation. I'll try. How's your week? How you doing? Uh, week's not bad. Um, God, what has this week been? <laughs> just a, a bunch of home renos going on still. Oh, like cool. not not major, but yeah. just like minor minor things. Right. And trying to track down our stove, which still hasn't been delivered. You can't but find it? We it's can't like, find it's it. It's like lost in the world? No, no. It's just way back ordered. Oh. Um, beyond that, you've been following the GameStop stuff like crazy. Okay. So this was my vision for us discussing the stock market and Wall Street and whatever mm-hmm. as it's pertained to this week. Okay. I don't know anything about this, but I figured you probably would. And mm-hmm. I checked with you and sure enough, you do. Mm-hmm. You can't avoid it if you go on social media. No. Here's my understanding. Here's my um, <laughs> Margot Robbie in a bathtub, <laughs> except except I don't know what I'm talking about. Sure. My basic understanding is that companies like GameStop, GameStop and um, and like AMC movie theaters yep. are dying companies. Yep. <clears throat> and so people who trade on Wall Street proficiently yep. are uh, betting against those stocks, essentially. They're hedging against those stocks knowing that they're doomed. They're shorting it. Okay. Like the big short. All right. Now, see, you're, you're going over my head. That's, that's okay. Uh. So they're, this is just what I understand it to be. They're betting against the losing stocks. And so just to troll them, gamers on Reddit, who are also gaming purists and I guess like game stores and movie theaters, mm-hmm. are in turn buying GameStop stock, which yeah. is shooting the numbers through the roof. That's right. And it's uh, bankrupting hedge funds. Yes. And, uh, and so, I mean, I don't know if anyone's actually gone bankrupt. But I have heard that people have gone bankrupt. Really? Oh, yeah. I, people's, I, like rich people's total lives have been disrupted. Oh, my God. It's yeah. it's it's kind of not surprising because <clears throat> I, I know that there's been 1.9 billion lost wow. from like the hedge funds that were like short, uh, shorting the stock. Yeah. So, yeah, shorting basically means you're betting against the overall stock. Which I guess is what the big short was about, right? They're betting against the housing market. That's right. Yeah. So these guys came in. um, I don't know if they're specifically like uh, they're passionate gamers, although there probably is some overlap. But Wall Street bets has always been a thing before GameStop even came around where where guys were going and and making these insane bets, essentially. Basically treating it like a casino. That's right. Yeah. That's right. So um, anyways, there was this one guy who in the summer... um, on Wall Street bets, put his entire life savings into GameStop, and I don't know if it, that kind of created a ground groundswell. He's U slash Deep Fucking Value is right. his name, and uh, so anyways, he's up in the millions now. Um, yeah, and good for him. A, as you can imagine, like you know, last Friday, the yeah, the stock was at five dollars in the summer. Last Friday, it was at sixty, and I. I had actually went to Wall Street bets just because I was getting more interested in the stock market and was thinking, what are these guys saying? Like, what? And I was like, oh my God, everyone's pumping GameStop. Like, this is a big thing. It's over 300 today. It's almost like a like a simulation because like I stumbled on it like two days before. <laughs> it was like, I was, it was up like 40% at that point. Right. And I was like, oh my God, wow, stuff's really going crazy. And I even like sent it around in my like chat group. Like, so why hey, didn't you, you buy in this? a couple days ago? Well, because it was already an insane amount for it right, to be at, right. and you don't know when it's good. So, yeah, you can, I mean, people were jumping on today. I had a friend who got in this morning and made $300 and got out in time, thankfully, before it, it crashed back down. It's, oh, did it crash back down a bit? It's down like 40% today, so it's still at $230. It was never built to last. It was clearly just a thing that people were going to get bored of. But it's funny because on the page, guys are still saying like, no, no, we got to hold. We got to hold, like hold it till it gets to a thousand and then today actually in one of the most scandalous things robin hood the trading app and this is a big big uh story now they stopped allowing that to they stopped allowing people to buy gamestop yeah you couldn't trade buy or sell gamestop um, which seems really wrong right like this seems insanely yeah. wrong like there's already class action lawsuits and and, and like, isn't there something a little ironic about a company called robin hood looking out for the rich guys yes there definitely is yeah <laughs> i can't be the first person to make that observation. no that's what i, I said yeah. today i was like robin hood is stealing from the poor <laughs> yeah. um so anyways yeah that's been a, a fascinating um fascinating thing to watch and and they've also been picking it's up a billion like billion dollar troll it's a billion dollar troll 
but also like these guys want to make money off of it as well yep. like there well, sure. there are got like you should see some of the the accounts people just like screenshotting like hey got in at 3000 and now i'm up to like 25,000 this is great wow yeah people like pumping up their retirement funds just on this like oh yeah you're, thing. you're seeing hundreds of thousands of dollars like it's it's insane people are going to get carried away though right there's going to be some kind of bottom out for for some people who 100%. didn't know what they were doing today i i saw a post like i was just sorting through new when it was going through the fall and this guy was like, I'm sorry, but like, I just like screamed at my mom. She brought in a plate of chicken nuggets and I screamed like, how am I supposed, I took my sister's money too. What is happening? It's not supposed to be going down. It's like, dude, this is the stock market. First it of is. All. And yeah. second of all, this is one of the most volatile moves like you could make. So if did, you, did you think this was sure money? It's exactly. the craziest thing that's ever happened. Exactly. If, <laughs> so if you're riding it, great. Like, good stuff and i mean to a certain extent if you bought at such a low price like and i'm talking lower than 60 because 60 is even crazy for this stock right but if you bought it at like 20 bucks amazing i'd just hang on to it exactly what does this do for gamestop the organization so they are now valued at a 30 billion dollar company <laughs> a brick and mortar game do you remember store. when facebook was given a billion dollar valuation and it was a huge deal right yeah <laughs> so yeah their market cap is 30 billion dollars oh my god um but but like what do you do with that well, that's, i mean that's my question is like what actually will this do for their uh their legacy so there were there were a couple things that happened like the first thing was uh, people started pumping this and then they got a new CEO, I think, who mm. is from another organization, Chewy Dog Food, which actually did really well. And like that's so that boosted the stock even more. Uh, and then there was this guy from Citron who was like a research company who was saying it doesn't make any sense. Like I'm shorting. And he started getting like death threats and stuff from all these Wall Street bets guys wow. or like, I don't know who, but uh, anyways, he like, he backed off. They like, all, the shorters were like, okay, we're sorry. We're, we're done. Stop. Like, this has messed up my life. Um, and so I think when, when the shorts are reversed, people kind of have to buy in Yeah. to like make up for the loss. Right. Because you owe like, rather than, than, you know, the stock going down and you owing money as a result of that, when you're shorting a stock and it goes up in price, you start to to you're you're not only losing money you start to owe money Mm -hmm. so it well that was my next question how's that possible because um if i'm shorting gamestop before they're having this uh inexplicable boon yeah all i did was lose the little bit of money that i spent to begin with how do i suddenly start owing more money i don't i don't completely understand because i do hear about these (laughs) i do hear about these billionaires who somehow are like losing their boats and stuff right i'm just curious about how that's happening i'm not really sorry for them i'm just curious how it's happening i know i i I, it was funny because even yesterday my friend said my friend who put in money today and made 300 dollars yesterday he was like has anyone ever done a put before which is like like a short um and we were like no and he put put in everything and then the the dollar amount that he would owe said eight hundred twenty seven thousand dollars yeah so he's like i'm happy i didn't click that through and i was like yeah i'm not a financial advisor but i would advise <laughs> ruined your that. life there yeah oh boy like so this yes. is already peaked right it's going to go down or or what is the what is the, what are the long-term effects of people knowing that they're capable of this because like the it seems like the entire stock market could be upturned well, whenever reddit wants that's exactly the larger question people are like <laughs> oh this is like a david versus goliath story where david's kind of winning and maybe it's going to sh- like shed new light on what could happen but it's it's funny cuz it's not necessarily based on you know a cheat like normally it's like quarterly earnings or uh, a new structural organization or but no, this is this is essentially just a bunch of guys getting together going, hey, we're all getting in on GameStop, okay? Yeah. And then Monday's going to be AMZ and BlackBerry. BlackBerry's the other one. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's really interesting. Yeah. I mean, hey, it's uh, what a time to be alive. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it wouldn't be a, a new year if not some kind of new crazy thing I didn't understand. But I, I love, like, I think we're going to look back and be like, and then 2021 started and people were just making money and, like, shutting down some of the big like after post inauguration it was i mean we're definitely in uh an age of eat the rich and it kind of feels good right like yeah if you're not rich yeah but I, <laughs> i'm not sorry for the rich people either no, no. 
no, they get another boat. There's always another boat. That's right. Well, and and the whole thing, like some of the some of the like back alley deals that are being made to prevent this from happening, like try to try to get you know the hedge funds back in, like shutting down Robinhood and stuff. Yeah. It's it's all so corrupt, and like there are so many connections where it's like, ooh, this is not going to be a good look for you know, the parties involved, but there's, there's starting to be some high level players that are, well, and it also has to be said, and I'm sure it has been that a lot of these people got rich by, uh, friggin' with the system too, by finding the loopholes and that's right. exploiting them. And that's fine. Yeah. But like, you can't cry to mama to Robin hood right. when somebody pulls it over your eyes instead. Exactly. And, and people are like, Whoa, they, they're manipulating the stock market in a way that's never been manipulated by normal people. Yeah. Right now yeah. they found a new thing the way right. you did 20 years ago. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's exactly right. Ah, uh, so, what, Hey, we'll see. What about the super bowl? You must be excited. I'm excited about the Super Bowl. I uh, I've come to terms with the fact that I'm I'm just going to be a Tom Brady stan. Like, yeah, I mean, I figured you leaned into that years ago. Yeah, definitely. But I mean, you know, once he left the Patriots, it was kind of like you know I'm, I still got to just watch my Patriots play and yada yada. Right. But and they're not in. It's they're, just Brady. They're very not in. Okay. But now that Brady's gone, it's like how are you how are you going to cheer against the guy that won your team that you love six Super Bowls? Totally. And. He's going to his 10th Super Bowl. Is that the most ever? I think so. Must be. He's he's definitely, like, he's won 30-some playoff games. Mm-hmm. The next closest is 17. Wow. So, I so mean. He's the James Holzhauer of, oh, of records. Oh, yeah. Um, who, and the Ken Jennings. <laughs> who is the greatest football player of all time? Is it Brady, and by how much? So... I think yes. It seems statistically easier to quantify that with, say, Wayne Gretzky or even Jordan. Then, you know, mm-hmm. there is not a clear, from my POV, there's not a clear great one in football. So there's a, a bunch of the names that you would see would be Joe Montana's probably the next guy. Yeah. Um, I think Patrick Mahomes is actually going to be the next guy, which is kind of like an interesting an interesting thing because Joe Namath, that's a name I know. Yeah. But he's not even close to, to Brady. No, Brady has six Super Bowls. I think Montana had three. Okay. Um, Terry Bradshaw had three. Um, you know, there's a, a lot of greats, but I think the, the, the path is clear, even just from a longevity point of view. Oh, definitely. So longevity, yeah. For that reason, I think Brady's kind of got like the Jordan slash LeBron thing locked up. Wow, like he's got all the titles, all the Super Bowls. According to you, it's not even really a discussion then. I don't think so, okay. but I I wasn't around for those earlier times. You know, people say like Johnny Unitas was one of the greatest quarterbacks to ever play, right. but that was in like the sixties. Oh, so. but people of a certain age will always tell you it was That's better okay. back when they were. Totally. Yeah. Totally. But but I think, you know, Tom Brady goat status. I think like he was the first time goat was being used regularly. Okay, fair enough. Brady. Yeah. Yeah, goat is a strangely new sports world term. It yeah. seems like it should be as old as the hills. And it used to be bad. If you were the goat, you were yeah. you were a bad but not Yeah, then... in Survivor it still means a bad thing. Really? It means you got dragged along. He's a goat. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's kind of crazy because you'd think that like Boston Rob would be like the goat. Well, he was, and right. now this uh, most recent season, which seems like a lifetime ago, because they—it's actually very strange. I was just talking with somebody about how uh, it seems like for all the shows that they've started to produce again, Survivor is a doable one considering it's a quarantine show. Totally, but they just haven't gone back to work at Survivor yet. I'm not sure why. Um, but the most recent season was that All Star season where everybody was a winner, right? And the objective was to crown the all time goat, and it was very effective. Like the guy who won deserved to win. Right. Uh, Tony Vlachos. He's won twice now. He's played three times. He was also such a character. He was like, he's as good as Survivor TV ever gets. And Excellent. I don't think anybody who has watched the show for many years would say he isn't a deserved goat. But in the Brady sense, not not in the sense it's most often used in, in Survivor. Right. Yeah. Right. Um, so yeah, I'm I'm excited about it. I'm not really like, you know, Anytime the Patriots aren't in it, I'm a little more, a little more chill about everything. Sure, but uh, you know, I'll still, I might even take the next day off. I have some vacation to burn. So when I'll... is it? It's next Sunday. How is it going to be different, commercially speaking? It's like a big ordeal. Well, uh, there's not going to. Well, first of all, for the first time ever, uh, 
the home team is actually playing in their stadium. Yeah, why is that? Is that just a luck of the draw? It seems incredibly advantageous. They picked they picked the stadium like three years before. Yeah. So usually it's in a, and this is the first time in forever that uh, it's not in a, a fully domed stadium. Usually it's in a dome, like it was in Minnesota, Atlanta, Dallas. Like this was like the last five years, Minnesota, Atlanta, Dallas, whatever new stadium, LA last year, I think. Um, so yeah, it's, it's kind of crazy that for the first time since like the sixties, it's not on neutral ground. It's not on neutral ground and it, and in an attempt to make it on neutral ground, but yeah, you know, once you're committed, that's, that's fine. So, I mean, that's gotta be a huge advantage and they're going to have, um, they're going to have fans in the stands like 8,000 or whatever commercially, uh, Budweiser apparently <laughs> isn't used. This is so dumb. They're not using it's so the, phony and disingenuous. That's what, what it is. is. Yeah. They're not using any of their marketing money for uh, ads. They're using it to to spread awareness about the vaccine. How purely altruistic of them. Yeah. Yeah. Here we are talking about it. To spread awareness. And we it's said true. Budweiser and everything. Ah, I heard Amanda, no free ads. Amanda Gorman is going to do a poem at the Super Bowl. Like this is, is that right? This is the, the greatest wave a poet has ever written. She's really taken off. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Bringing poetry, you know, and the first like non-rapper to make uh poetry and her popular. books are like selling her books aren't even out yet and they're all like selling out on amazon Whoa. And, how old is she uh she's i think she's 22 she looks 16 and she's like a junior poet laureate yeah well i think she was the i think she was a teen poet laureate and she's not that because she's not a teen anymore maybe she's the junior poet oh, laureate okay. but um She's incredible. She's also really media savvy. I don't know if you've seen any like talk show appearances. No, everybody's had Amanda Gorman on their show because she uh, is interesting and she's hot right now. And yeah. she gave that wonderful um, performance. But she's also just really good at being a talk show guest, which really? generally you have to be a movie star to, to be good at. Yeah, yeah. So uh, it's funny. Yeah, it's just really likable and oh, like that's and cool and well spoken. I mean, it's not surprising that she's well spoken. Although it is part of her story that she overcame a stutter. Oh, wow. Yeah. King speech style. Yeah, just like that. Very cool. Yeah. Love it. That's right. Speaking of Colin Firth, he's got a new movie coming out with Stanley Tucci that looks very sad. The Tucci? Right up my alley. Yep. The Firth and the Tucci. Oh, yeah. That movie does. I'm surprised that hasn't been uh, referenced with the uh, with some of the, the Golden Globe noms. Well, it might just not be good. Like right. criti- Critically, if, if it's been seen, maybe it's not as good as the trailer purports it to be. But it looks up my alley. Like mm-hmm. when I feel like kind of tearing up a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. Watch Promising Young Women. We talked about that a Let's little bit. Let's be careful of spoilers here. Yes, no spoilers. But uh, live up to the hype. I really liked it. Yeah. Really good movie, yeah. right? Yeah. Very original. And just like Done exactly what a dark way. comedy ought to be. Yep. Yep. Yeah, Jen was torn on it. Really? How what was she... she not crazy about? Well, you know, I don't want to spoil anything. So it's hard for me to... Right. To, yeah. It is. But... um. It's not the ending the studio wanted. That's right. And there isn't a studio, actually. A, it's an indie movie. Okay. Like, when it was, because it's one of those blacklist scripts that existed for a long time because everybody was afraid to make it. Right. And in the ending, uh, she does something very different. She probably would have she, liked a studio ending, is, is what I'm saying. Maybe, getting. but I, I know what the studio ending was, and it's nope. stupid. Oh, no, what Jen would have wanted. Yeah, but I think, <laughs> I don't think she would have liked it either. Oh, really? It's, no, it's dumb. It's, it's not what the movie is leading towards. Oh, interesting. Okay, I got to ask you this off pod. Well, she basically rides off into the sunset in the end. Okay. Um, and it's a little bit more gruesome than that, I think. But uh, but I'm not I'm not sure it really it, I'm not really sure it mirrors the rest of Cassie's story leading up to this right. moment. Right. What an interesting uh interesting shot to take that anyway it like excruciating movie and at times really funny yep um really good supporting cast and heartwarming at times totally yeah but yeah wow so and a new director i think her name is emerald fennell yeah and right now she's recognizable as camilla on the crown oh yeah crazy she's from the crown yeah and she's the writer director yep Wow, so yeah. she's older. I mean, not not that much older. No, no. she's playing Camilla on the Crown, As a and, and they're all like in their thirties, right? On the okay, crown. yeah, yeah, yeah. Huh? Yeah, it's well, very good. Wild. I haven't seen any other um, Oscar movies thus far. Like, I'm trying to think of the ones that people are talking about. There's this new. I think we talked about it briefly. Malcolm and Marie, the John David Washington and and 
Zendaya movie on Netflix. Yeah. Is it out now? I think it comes out on February 6th. So the gimmick of this movie is that it's really just a play because it's the first movie to have been completely inspired by, written during, and filmed during COVID. It was made in like June. Right. Uh, not a lot of bells and whistles to put on it. It's in black and white. And the premise is he's like a Hollywood director. She's his girlfriend or his wife or something. And they come back to their little Malibu house and they're just waiting on bated breath to find out whether or not he's going to win the awards. Oh. And so it's just like a relationship drama. Right. Uh, and I think it's like steamy at times and probably pretty tense at times, but it's just like literally only two people in the whole movie because it was made during COVID. And it's just about like this people, these people who maybe love each other, but maybe they have their own ego problems. And yeah. I think it's just a play and it's supposed to be good. Yeah. The two of them are great. Yeah. That, that sounds good. I, I watched the trailer for Sound of Metal. Oh yeah. It seemed cool. Okay. Not necessarily like the most entertaining, like one of those movies where you're not like, mm. ah, I'm so like enjoying this movie the whole time. It seemed like it might've had like a little darker melodramatic. Pretty tragic, kinda, like, I think, right? Yeah, I think so. Um, but also potentially uplifting. Um, other movies I've seen in the mix. I watched Zodiac the other night. Hadn't seen Zodiac. Wow. Okay. So I watched Zodiac and Children of Men. These are the last Dark couple. Dark Knight. Yeah, <laughs> so, not, not yeah, in the same night. Not in the same way. Okay, um, I tried to watch Zodiac and like right in the initial murder, I was like, I don't think I can handle this tonight. That's fair. But then I did a bunch of reading on the Zodiac. Mm -hmm. So do you have any takeaways? Because it, it's it's my main takeaway that I forget his name now, but the guy who like works in the hardware store. Arthur Lee Miller. I think. Yes. Yeah. That is the original Zodiac killer to me. I'm, yes. I'm pretty sure he did all. And then maybe there's some copycats, right. but like he's the guy who... Um, they like basically were pretty sure it was him. They called him up. They set up a meeting. And in the five days between then and the meeting, he died of a heart attack. That's right. And it says all this at the end of yeah. the at the end of the movie. And and he's in the hardware store. Jake Gyllenhaal says at one point in the movie, I just want to, you know, not to spoil it, but it's it's old enough that it's it should oh, be God. Yeah. public domain right now. Um, he goes to the hardware store at the end of the movie and looks at him and he's like, the guy's like, can I help you find anything? And he just says no. And then like, you can see the guy, the brother from Drew Carey, getting like yeah. really like, oh, oh, it's you. Oh, and then just kind of like looking away. And Jake Gyllenhaal just turns around and walks out. But how about that guy who, in the opening scene, it's Minkus playing him in the car. Oh, that is Minkus. And then they have another guy. It's the guy from, I guess, House of Cards. He's yeah. been in a few things who plays him when he's older. Like, yeah. that's a real fucking guy. He's the guy who's who going to play like, Tom York in the movie. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> he got, like, shot in the neck, like, at yeah. Lover's Lane or wherever it yeah. was. And, and, like, the knee. And, and I think yeah. his girlfriend, she just got killed, right? She, she just was got dead, completely yeah. uh, dead hit. But then he's, like, he's still alive now. I think he just, like, lives his life. Yeah. Having been like almost killed by the Zodiac killer. Well, that was a pattern was, was he was killing the like couples, but mm. he would kill the women and couldn't quite like kill the men or he was like focusing more on the women. So the men okay. would survive. Well, Anyways. he definitely tried to kill this guy. Oh yeah. Yeah. Like he spared <laughs> no bullets on that guy. Yeah. yeah. Do you hear any of the phone calls, any of like the voicemails or whatever? Yeah, I think they played that through the movie. I see. I don't know what's in the movie. I yeah, know it's okay. a three-hour movie, and there's like it starts really gruesome, and I just didn't think I could handle it. Yeah, no so, disrespect so to David Fincher. They go through the letters, and and some of the phone calls kind of play like, "Hey, I killed this person." Last. Yeah, yeah. It's just it's like a classic. Like you pick up the phone, and there's heavy breathing on right. the other end. It's yeah, a lot very, of heavy breathing calls too. Very and, upsetting. And there's, there's some people that just get call phone calls with the heavy breathing, like Jake Gyllenhaal does a lot, who plays a cartoonist who ends up like he wrote, he wrote the book like, the zodiac yeah, book yeah right. um anyways very interesting it was basically like how the zodiac killer drove a million people crazy how's downy in that movie because that was he's just so good just before the turn he's so so good yeah yeah it's it's part of like the first half of the movie is so entertaining and then it's kind of like a downward spiral into madness a little bit right like, of people trying to like track down exactly like mark ruffalo is in it too right um but, but yes, uh, Robert Downey Jr. is kind of like the first case of someone who's like a, a colorful investigative journalist who's like, yeah, let's go for a drink, talk about it. And like being Robert Downey, he's Tony Stark. Yeah, he has one mode. Like, yeah, he's hardcore Tony Stark, but um, ends up just kind of like, like 
being a, a complete alcoholic in oh, the end. So it really like, makes him nuts too. It may, yeah, yeah, definitely. Great, great. That's good. See, there's a lot of Fincher movies that I wish I could watch. And one of them, by the way, is Mank. I, yeah, which, I, well, look, there's a lot of stuff that's not coming to Canada that's Mank is on States. Netflix now. Is it? Yeah, it, it, it is. But the problem is uh, Citizen Kane is not available anywhere. <laughs> and it was on Amazon Prime and Netflix for years. This is such a classic thing where you like scroll right. through these services and you see these thumbnails and you're like, I'll get to it someday. Right. And when you actually have the time to watch it or you feel like watching it, it's gone. And th- this is the time to have Citizen Kane available to people. Yeah. You can't even rent it for six ninety nine. You have to pay 20 bucks to see Citizen Kane. Oof. And I'm not doing that. So, but so Mank is on Netflix. You're sure. Yep. Um, do you think that you need to watch Citizen Kane first? I mean, don't you think that's the right thing to do? <laughs> I don't know. If you're looking to appreciate this movie, like we, you and I can't even really speak to how uh, influential or significant culturally Citizen Kane was. No, that's true. You know, I'm worried that I'm going to watch it and go, that wasn't even a good watch. I think that's possible. Yeah. I think you got to give it a shot. Sure. And 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 we've talked about this before. Then you're somebody who can honestly say he's seen Citizen Kane. Mm-hmm. And there's no way it's going to make Mank worse. Yeah. So uh, do you think there's any online services? Yeah, we can probably pull that off. I mean, who knows? Somebody else could do that for sure. Somebody else could do that. Yeah, I know a guy. <laughs> right. His name is Orson Welles, <laughs> and he's going to hook us up. He could do it. <laughs> they are going to make a Harry Potter TV series, which was a long time coming. We always could have predicted this. Yeah. Um, is HBO it, Max. I, and I saw your link, but it, you sent it at a time where I was like really tied up with something, and then I'm I'm remembering now. Like once I saw the castle, I was like, oh, I didn't dig deeper on that. At now, all. by the way, it's protected under copyright. Like it's, it's, it's under lock and key until 2025. So they can't oh. do anything for a long time. And so it's not clear if they're going to reboot it like and tell the Harry story again in longer form. Seems like that's a bad idea. Mm. Or if they're just going to expand on the universe some more, which is probably a better idea. Um, the way they're doing that with Lord of the Rings at Amazon right now. There is, of course, the complication of J.K. Rowling. Yes. People not being too happy about her. The stands to make her richer. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'd be lying if I said I wasn't curious what a Harry Potter TV series looked like. Yeah, um, <laughs> that's a, such a classic Slaney response on, on yeah, the show. show. Uh, yeah, sure. um, let me gather what I can say about this. I, I don't know if I have much of an appetite anymore for Harry Potter. Fascinating. I, think I definitely always will. But even when the movies were first coming out, I didn't start watching the movies until like the fifth movie was out. See, uh, well, maybe it was just how my childhood was set up. I think then. it, like I a, think it might have been. A teacher read the first book in class and I was good for life. But two or three weeks ago, I tried to watch the last movie. I guess it was the second last movie because it's part one of the last story. And I was a, on my phone a lot. Like, yeah. I wasn't, I didn't think it was bad. I think maybe part one of the Deathly Hollows is not very good. Mm-hmm. And part two is quite good. I didn't think it was like unwatchable but i was just like this is really dark and some of the dialogue is silly and harry potter in general is kind of silly but it's still a big it's still got a big place in my head and my heart yeah yeah um so you would rather explore the world a little bit maybe maybe a post potter world maybe a potter kids world Oh, maybe. Except for they wrote that play a couple years ago, and it was dog water. Oh, did they do that? That's that's yeah, the cursed child. That's that's Harry Potter's kids. Oh, actually, Malfoy's son is the main character. Eesh. It's not good. No, it's it's largely reviled. And now, <laughs> and now the Fantastic Beasts movies are the before. The first one was okay. The second one was horrible, like shockingly bad. Right. Um, I never even got around to watching it based on your recommendation. Don't do it. Yeah. I think a lot of people would like a like a James Potter story. Who's James Potter? This is Harry's dad. Oh, okay. But also I can live without it. Yeah. I think I think what I'm arriving at is that I can for sure live without this show. Yeah. Um but it's going to happen and I guess it's not a great surprise. Mm. Yeah, I uh I'm I'm more excited for the Lord of the Rings show. Me too. Yeah, me let's, absolutely. Let's too. see what that one has. They're gonna do a Pirates of the Caribbean Disney Plus TV oh my series. God, come this on! Five guys. movies already. They're gonna do more movies. I don't know if they're gonna get Johnny Depp back, but it seems like he's 
kind of kind of on the outs right now yes he's kind of uh uh hot to touch right now a pariah yeah that's a good word for it uh and they're gonna do a tv series probably not with him Mm. but like more plus content more plus content what what is the plus content we need like what is what is our most beloved disney thing well for me it's star wars and the mandalorian is so good i suppose um and sorry i don't i'm not reducing that but it star wars was kind of a non-disney thing first so like what's an original disney that like like i saw today mighty ducks is having a thing but well, I don't know what this is. That's I don't know gran- granular. Like you're really like getting totally. down into it. And, and it's ducks. not, that's definitely not my favorite Disney thing. I mean, I think Pixar is a big deal. Sure. And and the fact that Sing or not Sing, Soul just came out on Christmas Day. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's the first Pixar movie to move the Nielsen needle. Right. Because of that. Like it's, and it's a really good movie. Yeah. I can't believe I still haven't watched it. Jen just won't watch it with me. Oh, why? She I don't likes know. animated movies, doesn't she? Uh, yeah, I don't know. I think she's tainted from the, the soul prize pack. Well, I'll give you, <laughs> I'll give you, I might've said this to you before. I wouldn't be the first person to say it in general, but the thing about soul that's kind of funny is that a, a lot of Pixar movies, all Pixar movies, and a lot of like DreamWorks movies too, are kids movies that are made so that adults can enjoy them. Right. And I really think soul is made for adults and maybe kids can enjoy it. Like there's a right. wacky cat in it that talks sometimes. Okay. And so maybe your kids will enjoy that. But this is an adult movie with adult themes. And in the end, I was kind of like, I can't see how a kid would <sighs> enjoy this movie at all. This is a grown-ups movie. And I did cry. Did you see Coco? No. I said, oh my God, what? I did put arsenic in your tea. I was wondering. Yeah. Um, no, I still haven't seen uh, Coco yet either. <clears throat> Coco is a good uh, brother movie for Soul because Coco is a movie about death mm-hmm. and Soul is really a movie about life, but both of them deal in like afterlife mm-hmm. mysticism. Okay. And like just lovely movies and like the music is good in Soul, obviously. John Batiste does all the piano playing. Um and also Trent Reznor does like the scoring oh, for the movie. It's an wow. interesting collaboration of, of great musical minds and soul. So actually, I think to answer your question, I think Pixar is is the thing that they can do the most with if they're being true to their origins. Gotcha. Uh, do you think they would ever take Pixar in a in a TV show way? I just think that it, time isn't on their side in that department mm-hmm. it takes a long time to make a yeah. Pixar movie like they've just released the series of shorts that you can watch mm-hmm. and so that's kind of episodic yep I've watched a few of them yeah uh, but otherwise not on the plus a lot what are you thinking of uh, uh, WandaVision I liked WandaVision but again I'm kind of like I really wish that I was getting this in a in a binge and I'm not yeah. I'm not going to be able to control myself I'll watch it as it goes but like Yet again, it was like 25 minutes in and I was like, okay, now I'm really hooked. Yeah. There was a, a long setup of like mm-hmm. the wacky, zany sitcom antics. And then in the last five minutes, you're like, oh, hang on. What's really happening here? Getting really serious. And uh, What's happening with uh, Catherine Hahn and the neighbor where she's like, it's just Geraldine. She's, right. and it goes back and forth for so long that I thought she was going to actually explain it because mm-hmm. like. It's like Ger- Geraldine's just yeah. Well, she's just or no, she's going like David, David. Like yeah. she's trying to prevent the guy from saying it. Yeah, and Vision. And if you're Vision in this moment, you're like, no, 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 no. What are you talking about? Yeah. Hey, <laughs> what, what do I have to do here? You're not just gonna let this go. Yeah. So Wanda definitely knows something. Yeah. And Vision doesn't, right? Like he, mm-hmm. she's definitely keeping, she's protecting him from some kind of truth because Geraldine. Talks. Of, she mentions her brother. Mm-hmm. She's like, your brother died from uh, what was his name? Ultra. Pie- Ultra. Pie- yeah. Pietro. Pietro. Yeah. Quicksilver. Yeah. Um, and then that kind of triggered Wanda. And then the next thing we know, we see Geraldine kind of tossed out into like the real world. She's being right. surrounded by like, uh, I guess they're sword agents. Right. And it looks like there's a a Stark helicopter, I guess, and. But my, I don't think it's Stark. I, th- no. I think they're sword. Okay. Yeah. My question um, was why are, I feel like an issue is Scarlet, Scarlet Witch's, um, Wanda's powers are too immeasurable. Oh, yeah. So that anytime it's one of those things where you go, well, why doesn't she just 
do that. Like even making dinner for the boss was yeah. like, well, if she can make this thing appear, why doesn't she just make the full turkey dinner appear? I don't exactly understand um, the limits of her powers, but I have seen, and it was like a Q&A that Kevin Feige did. Okay. Where basically he admitted uh, that Scarlet Witch is too strong, that she is yeah. entirely capable of killing uh, Thanos, like face to face. Right. Yeah. Because she's just straight up magic. Yeah. Yeah. Um. Anyways, excited for the next episode. I guess we'll be into the 80s, maybe. Right. Yeah. Well, and then we're going to catch up to present day like pretty soon, I guess by the end of the season. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. We, it should just be a bingeable. Right. A bingeable. You know, all of like the effects and everything are practical effects. Like they shoot these shows the same way they would have shot them in the age in which they're supposed to be depicting. So like all of the silly dancing of, of items and her like levitating turkeys or whatever in that dinner party episode is all being done with like fishing like wire and stuff. And it's stuff. all being done like very practically, which is impressive, but it still leaves me to wonder where the $25 million dollars <laughs> went. $25 million. <laughs> they hired, they paid so much for the string guys. Yeah. Yeah. The <laughs> string guys are like, they're the, took up like 60% of the budget. <laughs> and then they wasted it all on GameStop stock. Uh, exactly. <laughs> Gave the rest of Paul Bettany. More TV shows I want to talk about. This is so funny because we were just talking about this for multiple weeks in a row, but there's going to be a great Gatsby TV series. Oh, God. From the maker of the Tudors. Now, this is so dumb. Because The Great Gatsby is 97 pages long. Yep. It's the shortest novel in the world. Right. Why do you need to make a whole series about this? Is it going to be one page at a time? Oh, my God. Yeah. We're out on that. Brevity's a good thing, folks. It's a good thing. Yeah. And original storytelling. Also a good thing. Also on the plus, uh, Zach Braff and Gabrielle Union going to lead the new Cheaper by the Dozen reboot. It is going to be on Disney Plus, so I think we can presume it's a TV series instead of a movie. But okay. but I don't know. I mean, that's a good pairing of actors. I I like to see them working. Mm-hmm. I don't know how you update Cheaper by the Dozen. People don't have twelve kids anymore. But I think that's kind <laughs> of I think that's kind of imperative to the right to the premise. Maybe it's maybe something dark happens where they end up having to get twelve kids. Like they sorry, have to steal twelve of, kids. No, I meant like sorry, all of your parents were on that plane. Oh, okay. So we're taking over the leftover kids. Maybe they're just, they have no kids and they just run an egg farm. Maybe that's what it is. Yeah, they just sell eggs. Yeah. Chickens. That's what they're talking about. It's a a really strange twist on the original premise. And way less stressful for everyone. Oh yeah, no, it's just a warm show about (laughs) these two people who love each other and have their little blue collar life. And they go, this is surprisingly cheap. (laughs) It's cheaper by the dozen. Yeah. Every time we get another (laughs) egg. Every now and then a customer will come by and be like, hey, can I get 10 eggs? And they'll go, well, you know what? Now it's cheaper by the dozen. (laughs) Hey, thanks for the heads up. Yeah. Uh, Okay. uh, The Cecil B. DeMille Award at the Golden Globes this year is going to Jane Fonda. Last year I went to Tom Hanks. Yeah. They never seem to run into legends. That's good. There's nothing Mm -hmm. more to say about that, but like, I get it. Oh, uh, Cloris Leachman died. Cloris Leachman and Larry King died. And Larry King. Yes. Yeah. Arguably even bigger. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. I mean, sort of. Cloris Leachman has the... The record for the most Emmy wins by a, right? by a performer. Yeah. Wow. On what shows? Uh, well, most notably, probably the Mary Tyler Moore show. Okay. She was in a spinoff called Phyllis, and she has three Emmys for playing the grandmother in Malcolm in the Middle. Oh, right. She played the she played uh, Pam's grandma in in The Office. She is just one yeah. of those like amazingly funny. Yeah. Uh, do, you, do you ever see Young Frankenstein? No. She plays Igor. Okay. Like it's like an Igor style character, but with like a huge like drifting eye that pops out. So she must have been younger in that. I mean, I, yeah, a lot younger. Yeah, but I kind of always picture her as like a like an old lady. Yeah, but she's always played like an old. And she's been in a lot of things. She was so funny, and it's interesting because Betty White was just in the news um, last she's week. Ninety nine. She turned ninety nine. Yeah, and so the last two people in the Mary Tyler Moore ensemble to be alive are Betty White and Ed Asner. Um, not really thought to be like on like the younger side of any cast they've been in no. in, in the last 70 they've, years. They've been old for 70 years. Yeah, they have been. Um, and they're the longest living people. You know, God bless them. And Larry King too. Like, Do you have any thoughts about Larry King? Do you have any feelings about him? No, but he was one of those guys who said, you should never prepare for an interview. Yeah. Like, <laughs> which is such a weird. Yeah. I, wor- I know you disagree with it and I definitely disagree with it. I have a tendency to over prepare for things. This podcast excluded, 
but well it, yeah I, I worked with somebody once who saw that i was working really hard on an artist interview and he he kind of absconded me like he said it was so silly he said that larry king uh he said you know what larry king brings into interviews i said what he goes a blank piece of paper I was like, get out of here. I don't care what <laughs> Larry does. Leave, and by the way, have you watched a Larry King interview? Because sometimes they seem unprepared. Right. He's like, <laughs> yeah. Did you see that the, this clip kind of kept coming up a lot on uh, on Reddit, but the, the Danny Pudi interview? Oh, of course. Where he's like, what, what do you... What was what the luxuries luxury yeah. for you? And yeah. so he gives a couple of good answers. Yeah. He's like, I really like good coffee. Larry's like, that's not a luxury. Which, by the way... Yes, it is. Yeah. <laughs> and then and then Danny Pudi's like, I like a really nice sock, like especially like exercise socks. That's a luxury I like. He's like, He's like this is not a luxury. Yeah. <laughs> and he, he goes, I'm on DuckTales, Larry. Yeah. Well, no, the important thing is, well, what's a luxury, Larry? He goes, private plane. Right. Yeah. <laughs> private plane. Larry, I'm on DuckTales. It's such a weird like <laughs> like disassociation from... Like that's, that's not the only luxury. You don't have to go that high for it to be a right. luxury. Well, he was at a point where he was... I'm interviewing you and I'm also like flexing on you. Wasn't there a big thing with Mark Maron where Mark Maron was supposed to interview him? He and... did. It was, uh, Maron still does not admit that he got the time wrong. So who knows who right. got the, who got the time wrong, but they got their signals crossed mm -hmm. and Maron had his recorder going when he arrived at Larry's house. Yeah. And Larry was all pissed because he, he just kept, keeps telling Mark, you're late, you're late, you can't be late for these things. Right. And Mark was just kind of like shaking it off. And anyway, they ended up doing a good interview. Okay. But like it was awkward at first. Right. And by the way, I like Larry King. Like my parents watched Larry King's CNN show at 10 o'clock for years and years. Yeah. And he talked to a lot of, like, he, I, mean, I think he talked to everybody. Like, it was like every night. The very best interview gets you can get. Like yeah. people went on his show. And I guess it's because... I've heard a couple other people say this this week. His questions are not necessarily softballs. They're just welcoming. Right. And so he got to talk to like OJ Simpson. Yeah. Does that happen anymore? Is, it like, is that like Willie Geist? Is he our new Larry King? Why would you say Willie Geist? I don't know. I'm just trying to think of someone who consistently uh, interviews people on television who isn't necessarily like a comedian, not like a late night person. Well, there's lots of journalists who do good interviews, aren't there? I mean, I guess like the morning talk shows are kind of lame. Like Larry like, King was like, on CNN too. It was like, uh, okay, let's yeah. let's go over to CNN and watch Larry King interview someone. I think Gail King gets a lot of good interviews, and yeah. she does a pretty good job. No relation. No, no, really. you got to be named King though. <laughs> yeah, it's a big. It's very important. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, I don't know. It, yeah, because what's a talk show these days? Like Larry Larry's show was a talk show, but it was on CNN. Yeah. Do you remember who they replaced Larry King with? There are two correct answers to this. I want to say Anderson Cooper, but no. 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 Uh, it was Pierce Morgan. Like oh, they gave right. the time slot and like they made yes. a big deal about it. Yeah. And Pierce was really just like the AGT guy to the Western society. Like, yes, yeah. he had had this like tabloid lifestyle working for print media or whatever. He was a persona known uh, perhaps a little bit skeptically in the UK. And then he very quickly became quite obnoxious to American viewers as well. Mm -hmm. And I think his first guest was Oprah because you get good guests for your first week and, you know, TV interviews still mattered critically yeah. or commercially. Uh, his second guest was Howard Stern. And Howard still likes to talk about this because of how how silly it was, how silly Piers made himself look. Right. So Pier, uh, Howard calls himself the king of all media. That's his, his right. self-assigned nickname that now people give him. Like, and, and fine. Sure. Um, but it's weird because he's he's strangely humble, but also giving himself well, titles. He's not humble at all. Have you seen his house? He's um, self-deprecating. Self-deprecating and self-conscious. Oh, yeah. yeah he's to like, the point that you like, wouldn't think he, he would... I mean, he has I a would, lot of insecurities for right, sure, but yeah. he's not humble. He knows he's the greatest radio broadcaster <laughs> okay. of all time, and okay. he'll tell you. Okay. Yeah, but it's charming, and so he calls himself the king of all media. Um, but he offsets it by making like, I have tiny penis jokes. Right. Um, and so Pierce, uh, has Howard on his show and right out the gate, Pierce is like, well, you're not the king of all media anymore. I am. No, it's this, it's, you should watch it. It's this really awkward, like really like combative right out the gate. Howard's there as a favor. Wow. And Pierce is like, well, how does it feel to lose the title to me? The king of all media. It's so dumb. And, how does and Howard's Howard just like. I don't care what you say. Like, I, you, you, 
maybe wait until it's not your second show to tell me that you're a bigger success than me, Howard right. Stern. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Yeah. And then the other person who kind of replaced Larry King, but it was on Saturdays, mm-hmm. was George Strombolopoulos. Do you remember George having a CNN show for a short time? Not really at all. So it was after the hour. Yeah. And George Tonight. Yeah. They, he, they tried to give him a go in American culture. And so it was like a 10 episode series run, but they stocked it in Saturday nights on CNN. Uh. It was an hour long, long form interview show, not unlike the things he'd done on CBC. Right. And he brought on guests who knew him. So like Martin Short and I don't know if he had like Margaret Atwood. He's got like a long standing rapport with Margaret Atwood. And he would do good interviews, but nobody watched it. It was, it was calamitous. What does he do now? Well, I, I figure Rogers probably wrote him a big fat check when they fired him from Hockey Night in Canada. I right. think he probably could coast on that for a little while. He just lived in his house and ho- hosted concerts and did his CBC yeah, yeah. Two show on Sunday nights. Okay, um, but now he works for Apple Music. He does a radio show. Oh, on does Apple he? Music. Yeah. Oh, that's cool. I yeah. should maybe start tuning into that. I love Strombo. Me too. But oh. I like haven't really watched or supported him that much. Cool. Yeah. So Cloris Leachman died. Um, (laughs) no time to die so we were just talking about uh when the release date was supposed to be for the new james bond movie yeah turns out it is october 8th but this is the rub because it was made so long ago at this point and this is a cursed friggin movie like i don't know if you remember daniel craig got injured making this movie like way before COVID, they were having problems getting this thing off the ground yeah they couldn't even like figure out who that they had the director this is their chinese democracy it's just like that (laughs) yeah um so now it turns out there is some technology okay some gadgets and gadgets are everything to james bond right in uh no time to die that are starting to appear a little outdated and obsolete like a 2019 aston martin (laughs) no well i think i think nokia products are a bit of an issue and i don't know any of the details because they won't tell us anything about the stocks going up though (laughs) i bet it is i bet it is so yeah this is the problem is that uh, because COVID in certain capacities has um, accelerated technological advancement like in a in a wide scale, mm-hmm. in a broad scale, certain things that exist in this movie suddenly don't seem so impressive anymore. And so a good example, I don't know if this is what it is, but a good example would be like video conferencing, right. which is a thing we did in a novel way before through mm-hmm. Skype or like maybe you catch up with your friend uh, on FaceTime or whatever. But like I, th- I think like like Zoom or I think that's totally stepped up its game. And so like maybe there's some kind of like video conferencing thing that doesn't look even as good as Zoom in the new James Bond movie. Right. And so they might have to go back and reshoot some stuff. That's a real Yikes. thing the studio says. I think they should just release it as is and it'll be an artifact of the time. Well, that and every James Bond movie looks out of date in two years. Right. So who cares? Right. Let's just get the good movie out. Yeah, if it is even a good movie. What if it's just a huge letdown at this that point? That can happen. A lot of these movies that have the most buildup end up mm. being an extreme disappointment. The last Bond movie sucked. It wasn't that good. It Yeah, it was like I kind of walked up being like, that's hilarious that they thought that was good. Yeah. Or that they were trying to tell consumers that it was that good. I tend to agree. Uh, John Krasinski hosting SNL this weekend. Yeah, we didn't even know last Thursday if it was coming back. Like, when did they make the decision that... It must be for COVID reasons that they didn't come back sooner, because I can't otherwise imagine why they wouldn't have wanted to do one more show before the inauguration. Right. Yeah. And it's late. It's almost February. Or even even that Saturday of the inauguration. Like, the inauguration was on Tuesday? Wednesday? Yeah, Wednesday, I think. Wednesday. So maybe a bit late for them to crank it up. No, but you're right. Like, it was a big week. Yeah. They got a lot of things to cover now and doing the inauguration is not going to work. I'm excited for this new era. I think they, they're post Trump post celebrity. You got post Baldwin in there, but yeah. So just hoping that, um, but I mean, I, I would find it hard to believe that they wouldn't put Larry King and Larry King. Oh my God. Larry David in there. Yeah. Uh, just for the, the mitten meme alone. Sure. I mean, it's harder to get people in right now, though, right? It's true. It's a little more complicated, or maybe it's not. Who's the musical guest? I don't know. Do you know who is hosting next week? Dan Levy. Yeah. And Phoebe Bridgers. Right. She's a musical guest. Mm-hmm. That'd be a good show. That should be a good show, Seems yeah. like he could do that very well. I think so, too. Yeah. I was listening to the Dak Shepard podcast, uh, and he was talking to Justin Timberlake. I listened to that. Did you? Yeah. yeah. It, was, it wasn't bad. I kind of thought it was get, there was going to be a little more, a little more meat to it. 
I kind of thought that Justin was a little cold at first. Yeah. And then he loosened up. Yeah. When yeah. they started talking about punked, and I remember that punked. Yeah. Uh, I think that loosened him up a little bit. Well, and he says after the fact, too, he was like, I really wanted to get into it with him about Lou Pearlman. I'm so interested in that aspect of it. I found it really interesting when he just, Dax very, like, without any reservations, made a Lou Pearlman prison joke. Totally. And... Justin just kind of laughed and then they moved He's on. Like, yeah, yeah. No, seriously though. Seriously. Yeah. Like, yeah. And then, yeah, just kind of kept rolling with yeah. it. I know it's a, uh, it's a strange one. It really did uh, make way more sense that he was really high when he was being punked. Yeah, definitely. Like why he was getting so uh, emotional and like seemingly crazy. Yeah. But I also think like sometimes on punked and that was a good example. Sometimes it wasn't, an exposure of how um, delusional or spoiled these celebrities were. Sometimes it's just hurting their feelings. Totally, well, and that's th- what it was with Justin. He wasn't like being rude. He was just heartbroken. Do you remember the the Matthew Perry one where they like they kind of convince him that there's some uh, like some sketchy deal, and it's like, hey man, th- there's just like you know, there's some cars and there's some like some drugs and stuff in it or something. And then okay. all the cops bust in and he's like, what are you, are you serious? Like you brought me to a fucking sting operation. <laughs> <laughs> and so I forget kind of how it ends. But so he doesn't even come off looking dumb. It's just kind of like how you should react. No, in that it, situation. if anything, he comes off looking like a little bit suspicious, like, oh. <laughs> like kind of like, like, man, like if you're going to do this, like, don't do it when I'm around. Yeah. Well, that's true too. He's also got a, bit he's of got a, a, past. a checkered past. Yeah. Yeah, Punk had a moment. Sure did. It had a moment. It sure did. Yeah. Um, I th- I think that's about it. Uh, Disney Plus is putting parent locks on Peter Pan, Aristocats, and Dumbo. Okay. What's... Because of racially insensitive material. Gotcha. They're not removed from the plus, but you have to be at least seven to watch them. Okay. On your profile. Right. At least seven years old. Yeah. So Eight-year-olds, like... they can they can see that. No problem. Right. They'll, see, they'll know what they're seeing. <laughs> they won't be influenced. I feel like it's less influential if you're like little and just don't get it. That was true of us. Yeah, but don't we have some kind of inherent racism Probably. that we can't we can't source? <laughs> yeah, that's that's a great point. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. If only we waited till we were 8. If I had waited until I was 8 to see that whole why is the red man red song from Peter Pan. Oh yeah. Right. Right, forgot about that. Yeah, I didn't. You didn't. Oh no. No. You sang it a little too loudly. I didn't sing it. <laughs> Never sang that song. Anyway. You're a big Song of the South guy. No. I don't think that is on the blues. <laughs> I don't I think, think it they is they took it off altogether. Yeah. They're like, look, there's no explaining like, this away. We, yeah, we we, <laughs> we can't uh, put this out to the public. You have to be 40 to watch this. Let's talk about a show. Mm-hmm. I'd like to say, like, we didn't know what to talk about for shows this week. And Amazon Prime was, like, really pushing me flack. Yeah. And so I figured it was a new show. And it's not. It's two years old and it's canceled already. So so this is where we're at with entertainment. Where we, is the well kind of drying up? No, because we did a New Year's Eve show where we listed a bunch of things to look that forward to. Out. It just happens to not be any right a now, I, I think. And I didn't even look that hard mm-hmm. because I assumed when I opened Amazon Prime and it starts like shoving me the thumbnail for this thing, well, this must be the new show and I've never heard of it before. Well, and, and when I asked... You were like, oh, if you go on Amazon, you're going to see flack. Wasn't that true when you went on Amazon? I don't know. I don't think it was, but I think I like, yeah, I keyed down like a couple times and it was there. Maybe our algorithms are just like a little bit off. Sure, I guess. But but it, it seemed new while I was watching it. I didn't think this was a canceled show. Well, I mean, it's not surprising to me that it's canceled. Should one of us re- recap it? Yeah, let's do it. All right. I guess I'll recap it. The show's yeah, called you- Flack. It stars Anna Paquin. Anna Flackwin. <laughs> That's why they did it. Ah, you must be. I, and I do. One of my questions here is why is it called Flack? Okay. Because I don't know. Was that in the in the text of the show? Uh, no. <clears throat> I just think it's like if a celebrity's getting flack. That's a long walk for a short drink of water. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm not sure. Okay. Maybe maybe originally the the character's last name was Flack. Maybe her <laughs> name's Robin, right? Maybe. Yep. Okay. Uh, we're going to recap Flack featuring Robin, a.k.a. Flackwin, in three, <laughs> two, one, go. 
Robin is a, a crisis management uh, publicist for celebrities in the UK. She works for like a big fancy firm and she's pretty jaded about uh, famous people. Um, she has an office mate who's like even uh, more bitchy than she is, in fact. Um, and then there's a new intern who's got like stars in her eyes and I think she just wants to work for ethical reasons. Anyway, she's like here to manage the marital crisis of this celebrity chef and she just ends up uh, boning him in, in the hotel bathroom. Uh, and then she has to go meet his wife who wants to leave him. Yeah. Oh. Is that roughly the story? That is the story for sure. And and just to like just to put a little color to some of the language I used there. Like the her office mate Eve is such a cliche yep. of of like a um just like ego maniacal uh non-feeling completely cold like look through tinder profiles and if he does like and i'm i'm talking an uh nine and ten for me not for you so raise those standards ask him where he wants to go for dinner and if if he can't buy if you can't buy a 30 dollar bottle of wine if that's not the cheapest bottle of wine or something just don't go right it's just so ridiculous and then robin is a little bit more multi-dimensional because you learn towards the end of the episode that it's the anniversary of her mother's suicide right and she by the way does a lot of coke. She yeah. has she has a lot of her own demons. And they do kind of a reveal at the end where she goes back to her house and oh, her yeah. boyfriend's there and that's supposed and, to be like, And they're Whoa. trying to get pregnant or at least he wants to get He's pregnant. He's trying to. And but... she, I think, has birth control, right? Yes. That's what that is? Yeah. So she's uh, clearly uh, hiding a whole lot from her, from her boyfriend. But that's a good point, I guess, because like there's all of this discussion about the ethics of uh, celebrity men. Mm-hmm. And she has this whole conversation with the celebrity chef about like, why does he just like stick it in whatever when mm-hmm. he's got this wife who he loves? And he's like, I don't know. It's just how I operate. And she's a little judgmental of that, but then they hook up and yeah. you realize that, you know, she's obviously trying to find some answers for herself too. Yeah. She gives a bit of a, uh, spiel on like why, you know, women do have it harder than men. It's- right. There was a lot of me too stuff in here. You're yeah. right. Yeah. Um, I don't, uh, don't, re- I'm just trying to think about some of the other things that, uh, so early on in the show, it actually, I, I thought this was like one of the most clever things of the show. Like it sounds like someone having sex and they're actually oh, yeah. giving CPR. Right. And I was like, oh, this show could be smart. Well, um, except for that. As soon as I heard some of those moans, I was like, there's no way this is sex. Cause it's just too on the nose. Right. And, um, Anyway, so she's trying to save a uh, a star soccer player from uh you know being found out about a, a side gay relationship he's having while he actually has a and he's OD hetero life yeah his partner is ODing right he has a hetero life really yeah at I the end that. at the end of the show she gets a notification on her phone that says like um. I don't know, like incredible soccer player, <laughs> another engaged to celebrity. Another whatever. cliche is her sister. Who's like mm. a completely domesticated, keeps it between the ditches, like right. friendly best friend sister who's got like the classic life. Yeah. And who's she- got the daughter that like jumps on her like Auntie Flack. Right. <laughs> Auntie Flack. Yeah, but but Flackwin is like she she obviously is an emotional train wreck. She's mm-hmm. like a flea bag. Yeah. But her sister's much more put together. She's Brie Larson in train wreck. I found it funny that she is supposed to be like uh, from Brooklyn, like the accents are just all over the place. Does she? Yeah. Kinda, she Cause she kind of has a Southern accent anyway. Right. But it almost came off as like kind of British while she was trying to hide it. I heard that too. And then at the end, she's like, my mom jumped off the Brooklyn bridge. And I'm like, Oh, well you should be doing a Brooklyn accent. Yeah. Then. Like that's kind of like unmistakable. Can we talk about Anna Paquin? I think this is a very strange case. Like yeah. she won an Academy award when she's 11 years old. For the right. piano. She's an Academy Award winning actor. And yeah. the thing she's best known for now is True, True Blood, right? True Blood, yeah. <clears throat> um, which is not a highbrow thing. No, this not, is not at all. This and is we not did a that on thing. the show. And we were yeah. like, this is kind of brutal. And so... She played Sookie? Yeah. I also remembered that. Yeah. What a horrible name to give your character. <laughs> yeah. You got to type that so much when you're writing the book, right. True Blood. Mm-hmm. Um. And it's just so interesting to what it must do to a person to win an Academy Award when they're 11. I have to think it's very freeing because from a young age, you're like, eh, I'm good. Yeah. Yeah. And you can do whatever. But she didn't become like a big superstar. She probably got lots of money because True Blood was really a moment. Yeah. Um, she's the youngest. She's the second youngest person ever. Um, uh, to win an Academy Award? Yeah. No. Uh, yes. Uh, Tatum O'Neill won it for Paper Moon when she was 10. 
but okay. uh, so I don't think we've had like a child win an Academy Award in a really long time. No, I think I think the Academy started to go. Oh yeah, no, this actually really screws people up. Probably does. Yeah, mm. they could they could have a child category. They could best, best child performance. That would get kind of weird. And it would just be such a shoe in every year. You would know yeah. without any question who the obvious good child right. actor was this year. It would be the Little Miss Sunshine girl, Abigail Breslin. Yes, yeah. Who's actually like a an adult? Yeah, uh, you don't see her that much anymore. You no. did for a while, right? Yeah, Dakota Fanning would have got it for I Am Sam. Quavonjane Wallace was nominated for Best Actress a couple years ago. Really, you haven't seen her again. No, true. Um. Anyway, so that's Flackwin. Yeah, that's uh, neither of us liked it. I don't think. No, it's, Jen kind of did. I was surprised. Yeah. I don't know. It, it it wasn't like, it wasn't offensive to me. Like, I didn't think it was horrible. Mm. I just thought it was pointless. Like, none of the problems in this show feel like real problems to me. Right. And then they try to put a bow on it at the end going like, this is why I'm so messed up. My mom killed herself and me and my, <laughs> me and my sister moved to England to try to get away from her. Right. It's like, eh. There's a, there's like a C plot where... Conor McGregor has written a children's book. Yeah. <laughs> and he's not in it, but no. they have like some some images from Conor McGregor's children's book. And somebody makes a, a comment that um celebrities write children's books cuz it's their only way to get affection from their kids. And do you, I wondered is that is that why you think it happens or is it because it's the easiest way to add New York Times bestselling author to your list of credentials? I don't know. I I do think there is something with the kids thing. Like I've heard we've probably both heard celebrities go like, I just wanted to do this Disney movie because I want, wanted to do something that my kids would see me in. Yep. Yeah, that's probably true. I mean, Jimmy Fallon has a couple of kids books and like there yeah. are good kids books, no disrespect to Jimmy Fallon, but like some of them are pretty rudimentary. Right. And he's technically an author because of them. Right. <laughs> we should do a kid's book. You and I? Show, show kid's book. When I was like 22, I wrote a kid's book. Oh yeah? And it, it was like really sophisticated. I actually, I think I did... Two, Liam the Lazy, oh, age nice. 22. Mine was called Monkey Business. Okay. It was about two best friend monkeys who have a kite making business. And then Shit. they have a falling out. It was very serious. A kite making business, yeah. no less. Yeah. Huh. Monkeys with kites. Yep. So no S for flack, but you wouldn't have anyway because it's over. <laughs> yeah. What a waste of time. I'm glad we had other things to talk about this week. We sure did. Yeah. Um, we kind of we kind of gave our S to, uh, or I give my S to Zodiac. That's good of you. Yeah. The David Fincher classic mm -hmm. featuring all those movie stars. It did make me want to watch <laughs> Mindhunter more. Oh, sure. Which is kind of been on the list anyway, like a, on the go back list. That's Fincher too. I mean, we talked about it on the podcast. Yeah. And there's a gruesome opening sequence. Yeah. And I think a lot of the language of it is pretty upsetting. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but it's a, a lot of the same same kind of thing. You're just uh, you're interviewing killers. Well, what's funny is, um, so that stars Jonathan Groff. My parents watched Mindhunter. Right. And Becky and I watched Hamilton with my parents last weekend. Okay. And so my my parents were like kind of, uh, and by the way, he's so funny in Hamilton as the king, but like they're kind of like fascinated that the guy from Mindhunter is doing this like silly Broadway performance, but I'm like trying to convey to them that like, no, it's way weirder that he did Mindhunter. Like right. Then, the, that was this. the departure. Right. But anyway. Interesting. Diverse I, performance. I know nothing about his uh his character in Hamilton. I still haven't watched Hamilton. Man, you should. It's great. Yeah. I I don't know. I can't get can't get can't get into it really. What do you mean you can't get into it? You haven't watched it. No, I watched like the first twenty minutes and I got like, yeah, it's not hooking me. Okay. Maybe it's because I don't typically watch theater on no, nobody does. TV. It's it's strange. Nobody yeah. does. It's a strange thing. But like the second act is so emotional. It's such incredible storytelling. I, I recommend subtitles mm -hmm. just so you know you're not missing anything. Sure. Well, that paid off in spades with the tenant. So how old are we now? We just watch everything with but subtitles. subtitles. Yeah. It is. I felt like watching Flack with subtitles. Did you find it really hard to hear what both of both sides yeah, were saying? I guess, but I also didn't feel like I was missing anything. No, you're kind of just letting it wash over you. Yeah. Fair that's kind of true. So Will Smith is uh, producing yet another thing. He's got this production company, Westbrook Media. Okay. And so this is where he like makes shows for unusual streaming platforms. He's got a new show, show coming out on Snapchat starring Ryan Reynolds. 
Ryan Reynolds wow. is Will Smith's employee, and it's going to be on called Snapchat. Yeah, uh, yeah, it's going to called Ryan doesn't. It'd be called Ryan doesn't know, and he's just like learning new skills in every episode with his charming, um, sardonic Ryan Reynoldsness. Gotcha. What kind of skills do you think those are? I mean, I don't know, like how to how to go sailing. Or right. like how to how to but, yeah. how to use a bandsaw. I, I have no idea. How <laughs> to use a bandsaw. <laughs> Shortest episode ever. Yeah, zip zip. Yeah. Um I you know what? I actually might watch that. If the skills are cool enough, might be kind of interesting. You gotta download Snapchat. Do you still have Snapchat? I do. Oh wow. Yeah. I don't know why. I don't snap anyone. No, mine's been gone for years. And it's actually like stocks going up there too. <laughs> yeah? Yeah. That one's less weird. Yeah. I actually owned Snapchat shortly after the IPO for like $12. Now it's at like $60. I sold it. It was I, it was in a down phase. So you do this a little bit. I It's weird that we brought up Snapchat because it's like one of the rare occasions where I've bought something. You do seem to have a fascination in it. And you I do, you it's do be, like to gamble it's a little because bit. because that's the thing. It's like civilized gambling a little bit. Right. So why haven't you been more invested, literally speaking, in, in the GameStop thing? Like why weren't you hot on that? If you saw a trend, well, I I, I still felt I was too late to it. Okay, it's and hard. That's I think that's the thing. It's hard to know. You know, you see something up forty percent. Your classical knowledge is don't buy in at the peak, buy in at the dip. Right. But then when the dip happens, you go, oh, that company's trending down. So you really have to do your research and like truly believe in the company. And I know nothing about GameStop. No. So, well, we don't even have it here. We have EB no, Games. Exactly. Exactly. It'd be like if EB Games all of a sudden just went through the I room. wonder if there's a small EB Games version of this happening in like Canadian Reddit circles. Maybe we should look. I don't even know if they're like a publicly traded company, but I, I, hey. I saw yesterday I'm a, t- a tweet that somebody said, uh, today GameStop is trading at $350, which means if you tried to trade it in at GameStop, they'd give you $12.95. Yeah. <laughs> That's great. Yeah. So true. For all those reasons and more, never trust Will Smith. Never. Never.